Well, it was a lot of fun this morning uh, as we got to go to the presence of God and experience His goodness and worship being led by Martine Kelsey, who we miss because they moved to Ontario, but she didn't introduce herself uh, up here. And so I want to mention, she actually has a new album coming out in the next few months uh, called Sweet Hallelujah. So you might want to keep an ear out for that on the radio, on Christian radio. And uh, so she didn't ask for that plug, but I'm just mentioning it because it's great to have them back visiting home here in Moncton this weekend and being with us. Uh, So grab your Bible and find the book of Hosea. And today we ask the question, the same question that we ask all the time, voici la question, est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Here's the question, are you ready to study God's word today? Okay, come on. Because it is the light for our feet, the lamp for our path, the guide, the foundation upon which we build our lives, the truth of his word. And so aujourd'hui nous sommes dans le livre de l'Ancien Testament de Hosea. Today we are in the Old Testament book of Hosea. We travel back in time to the year 750 BC, about 750 years before Jesus was born. And at this point, the kingdoms of the Jews, or the singular kingdom of the Jews, splits into two separate kingdoms. The 12 tribes of Israel, the capital of Judah, remains in Jerusalem. But after Solomon dies, the Jews in the north depart to start their own northern kingdom called Israel with their capital city in Samaria. And in the next 150 years, the northern kingdom of Israel with its capital in Samaria began to thrive and grow. But unfortunately, what happened is as they became financially wealthy, they became spiritually poor. The more comfortable they became, the the lazier they became. And They lost their passion for God. And when Jeroboam II became king, he was a great political leader, but he was a horrible spiritual leader who led the people away from God. And so the Lord chose to raise up prophets who would teach his word and call the people to repentance. And so one of those prophets was a man named Hosea. Hosea lived in the capital city of Jerusalem. He was a faithful servant of God, and every day he would go out onto the city streets and declare God's word and call the people to return to the Lord. And when you look in Hosea chapter 1, you find that one day the Lord speaks to Hosea and says, Hosea, I want for you to get married. I have a wife for you. And this relationship between you and your wife, Hosea, will be a reflection of my relationship with the people Israel. And so I'm sure Hosea was excited. Oh, Lord, I'm I'm so glad you're going to bring for me a partner in ministry. I've been so lonely. It'll be so wonderful to have someone to share the burden of ministry with me, someone who can help me lead the people to you. I can't wait to meet this beautiful woman of honor that you have chosen for me, a well-respected woman in the community. I'm sure she'll be a spiritual encourager who will be invited to speak at women's retreats and lead Bible studies and she'll counsel people and she'll show people what it is to be a woman of God. Is that what happens? If you know the story, we look at Hosea chapter one, verse two. Hosea one, two, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, 
Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Some translations here say that she was a prostitute. I can imagine Hosea is scratching his head going, huh? You want me to do what, God? Well, well, at least, Lord, tell me, what is her name? What's the name of this woman that I'm supposed to marry? Gomer? (laughs) Gomer, really? She sounds pretty. (laughs) (laughs) And Hosea probably thought, okay, but we know that God restores people, right? We know that he's a God of second chances, that he turns people's lives around. Maybe it'll be like the movie Pretty Woman. Julia Roberts is the prostitute out on the streets and Richard Gere pulls up in a limousine and they ride off into the sunset to live happily ever after. Maybe it'll be like a Hollywood movie. And so Hosea goes out and he rescues Gomer from her life on the streets. And he takes her home to be his wife and he continues His preaching ministry calling the people of Israel to repentance, to come back to God. And so we're still in chapter one, look at verse three. In verse three it says, so he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So Gomer gives birth to a baby, and look at what they named the child, verse four. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel. Now, if you know anything about Bible history, then you are familiar with the the word Jezreel, that it is a name, not normally a name of a person, but rather, Dr. Haddon Robinson points out that it is the name of a place. The Jezreel is the place where Gideon had defeated the Midianites. And so this was a place of great victory for the Jews. It spoke of their high times and and how they could trust God. But it was also a place of great defeat because Jezreel is also the place where Saul lost to the Philistines. And then later, after the, the kingdoms split apart and the northern kingdom became Israel with his capital in Samaria, the wicked king Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel. How many of you have ever heard the word, the name Jezebel? Like it's an expression in our term, in our world today, right? Like people know that Jezebel is, Jezebel is the name of a, of a bad person who you can't trust, who wants to do, do evil. And, and where does that come from? Well, it comes from Jezebel in the Bible, wife of King Ahab, who at the city of Jezreel led the people away from God. And so this name Jezreel is bittersweet. It was a reminder of how far the people had drifted away from their relationship with God. And so whenever Hosea and his little boy were out in the, the city streets, when, whenever the family went to the market to buy groceries, and he would call the name of his son, Jezreel, come here, little Jezreel. Any Jew who heard that name was reminded of how far they had fallen from God. And look at verse six, Gomer got pregnant 
again, and this time it was a little girl. And God said, I want you to name the child Lo Ruhamah, which means not loved, or I don't love this one. Not a great name for your baby. And then look at verse 8. Gomer had a third child, a little boy, and the Lord said to Hosea, name this one Lo-Ami, which means not of my people or not my child. And so remember, the Bible says that this relationship with Hosea and Gomer is going to reflect what's happening in the relationship between God and his people. And so the names of these three children, Jezreel, the place the Israelites were led away from God, Lo-Ruhamo, which means not loved, and Lo-Ami, which means not my child, show us what is happening in the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. That when the third child comes, he literally names it, ain't my baby. In other words, Gomer has been sleeping with other men. She is pregnant by other men, and yet he still loves her. And so Hosea takes these children from her adulterous affairs, and she raises them as her own. But one day Gomer finally decides to leave. And so Hosea wakes up one morning and realizes that Gomer has picked up and left to be with some other man. And so here's this poor prophet. He is still in the ministry. He's still preaching the word of God. He's still a father trying to raise these three little children. This is straight out of Hollywood housewives. Can you imagine how the neighbors must have talked? Can you imagine the gossip that went around town? Did you hear what happened to Reverend Pastor Hosea? Such a pity. You know, his wife left him. You know, he should probably leave his position as prophet. He, he, he was spending all that time out telling everybody else how to live and look at what happened in his own family. He's left with these three kids and, and now... She's out sleeping around with every man in town. But Hosea still loved her. As Gomer was taking money from rich men, as she was eating exotic food, wearing fancy clothes, the kind of things that Hosea could never afford on a prophet's salary, But eventually, Gomer ended up with a man who apparently could not afford to feed her because chapter 2 says that Hosea struggles with what to do. And in the poetic language of chapter 2, you see that he's struggling with, should I I just forget about her and move on? But chapter 2 says that, in fact, he decides that he is going to start giving her money. And I wonder if he decides to go to the house of the man that Gomer is living with. Can you imagine him walking up to the door and knocking, and a big guy opens the door and says, what do you want? And he says, excuse me, sir, is, is this the house where Gomer, daughter of Deblame, lives? The guy goes, what do you want? Yes. And he says, well, excuse me, sir, I'm her husband. And the guy gets ready for a fight with his fists up, and oh, no. Hosea says, look, I'm not here to fight. I, I just want you to know I love my wife, and here's a bag of silver and gold, I want to give to you to provide for the needs of Gomer. 
I want to make sure that you have enough money to take care of her. I want to make sure that she has enough money to eat and, and that her doctor's bills are paid for. And so, in chapter 2, verse 8, it says that either Gomer didn't know or didn't care where the money was coming from. If you look at chapter 2, verse 8, it says that either she didn't know or she didn't care that, that, that behind the scenes, Hosea was the one who had been paying her bills. That behind the scenes, Hosea was the one who had been buying her food. Hosea was the one who had been providing for her and taking care of her, even though she was paying no attention. And the rest of chapter 2 says that eventually they lose touch. Over time, they lose contact. I imagine at some point he didn't know anymore whether Gomer was alive or dead. And then in chapter 3, Hosea gets some bad news. In chapter 3, we learn that Gomer has hit rock bottom. Because folks, you need to understand that the party life always leads to rock bottom. The world promises so much, but delivers so little. It's fun for a time, but it leads to bondage. And he learns that Gomer has been sold into slavery. There was a slave market in the city of Samaria. And Hosea gets the news that this week his wife is going up on the auction block. Now, Dr. Robinson says that when a woman was being auctioned, that she was often stripped of her clothes and forced to stand before the crowd naked so that people could see what they were going to get if they bought her. And imagine the scene as Hosea makes his way into the slave market, clutching his little bag of silver. And as the crowd gathers, he waits and waits until finally it is time and Gomer is brought up onto the auction block. And there she stands, having been stripped of her clothes. She stands there cold and shivering and naked, her face gaunt and hollow from malnutrition, her hair tangled and matted, her body reeking of odor, her teeth yellowed. She is a hollow shell of her former self, barely looking at all like the woman that Hosea had fallen in love with. For sin had taken its toll. For there is always a cost for sin. Her head hung low as the auctioneer begins the bidding. Can you hear his voice? Who, who will give me the first bid for this fine specimen of a woman? She's been around the block a time or two, guaranteed to please any man who buys her today. And over on this side of the ground, the first bid comes up, five shekels of silver. And then eventually on this side, the bidding gets to 10 shekels of silver. And as the bidding slows down, someone makes a high bid, 15 shekels and a homer of barley. And Hosea looks down at the money he has, and he makes his final bid. And chapter 3, verse 2 says that as Hosea raises his hand, he says, 15 shekels and a homer and a half of barley. And then he holds his breath, 
and looks around the crowd to see if anyone else will outbid him. And finally, the auctioneer shouts, sold to the prophet Hosea in the back. And for the first time, Gomer hears the name of her husband. And she lifts her head and she looks to the back of the crowd. And there, for the first time in a long time, she sees the only man who has ever loved her. The only man who never used her for her body like other men. The only man who had treated her right. The man who had raised her children. The man she had lied to. The man she had abused. And yet there he was when she was at rock bottom with nowhere left to turn. He had showed up and come there to pay the price. To pay her ransom. And so the crowd parts. As the prophet makes his way to the front. And Hosea walks through the crowd and arrives at the auction block. And he climbs up and he walks over. And he takes off his outer cloak. And he wraps it around the shoulders of his bride. And he says, Gomer, honey, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. And I imagine before he took her home, he probably took her to to clean her up and he, he took her to the finest store, restaurant to buy a gourmet meal and took her to the department store to be able to buy brand new clothes. He adorned her in beauty and brought her home as his treasured one because he saw a beauty in Gomer that nobody else had ever seen. He saw something in Gomer that she could not see in herself. The world had abused and used Gomer and threw her to the side because that is what this world does. But Hosea loved her with a love that was pure. And then the Bible flips the script and reminds us that this relationship between Hosea and Gomer is also the relationship between God and us. You see, when we read this in English, there's something we miss. We have a tendency in English to take names from other countries and other languages and just kind of make them our own, Englishize them. And the word Hosea, that name in Hebrew was more like Hosea. In fact, in French, it's Hosea. And if you know anything about the New Testament and you know a little bit about the Hebrew of the name of Jesus, its ancient pronunciation is Yehosheya. Yehosheya. Listen, the root is the same name. Hosea and Jesus. The name means salvation. Salvation comes from the Lord. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the bridegroom and the church is called his wife, the bride of Christ. 
And how many times have we, the church, how many times have we, the people of God, treated our Savior, Jesus, the same way that Gomer treated Hosea? Don't you see how he has rescued us from destruction? And yet, how many times do we go right back out into this world? How many do we go, times do we go right back out and we cheat on him? How many times after he has paid the price to free us from our sin, do we run right back into the very slavery and bondage that he freed us from? But you know what? Here's my favorite part. Oh, it gets so good. Don't miss this. Chapter 2, verse 23. Oh, you got to see it. Chapter 2, verse 23, remember those children that Gomer had. Remember the one named Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. Remember the one named Lo-Ami, which means not my child. God and Hosea say in chapter 2, verse 23, I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. God says, you don't even realize how much I love you. You don't even know the cost that I have paid for you. And Jesus says, even though you have rejected me and turned your back on me, yet I will take you back. I pay the price so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be redeemed and bought back and brought back. And Jesus says, I want to free you from the bondage. I want to free you from the lies of this world. I want to clean you up and bring you back home again. And so here's what I learned from this story. Whenever I feel separated from God, whenever I feel lonely and abandoned and I look at the mess in my life and in the world, in those times I realize it's not God who ran away, it's me. I am Gomer. Could I read to you a story? Clovis Chappelle told the story of a young man who lived in Chicago. The young man went down to the bluegrass regions of Kentucky where he met and wooed and won a young woman who ultimately he brought back to Chicago as his bride. They enjoyed three lovely years of marriage. And then one day in the midst of a sickness, in a seizure of pain, the young woman lost her mind. Even when she was at her best, she was confused and demented. At her worst, she would scream, and neighbors complained because the screams cut the air, and it was hard to live with. And so the young businessman left his home in the middle of Chicago, went out to one of the suburbs, built a house, determined that there he would try to nurse his wife back to health and sanity again. One day, the family physician suggested that perhaps if he were to take his wife back to her Kentucky home, that something in those familiar soundings would help restore her sanity. And so they went back to her old homestead. Hand in hand, they walked through the old house where memories hung on every corner. They went down to the garden and, and walked by the riverside where the first cowslips and violets were in bloom. But after several days, nothing seemed to happen. 
And so, defeated and discouraged, the young man put his wife back in the car, and they drove back to Chicago, and when they got to the house, he looked over and discovered that his wife was asleep. It was the first deep, restful sleep that she had had in many, many weeks. When he got to the house, he lifted her from the car and carried her inside and placed her on the bed, realizing that she needed to sleep some more. And so he placed a cover over her and then just sat by her bedside and watched her through the midnight hour. Watched her until the first rays of the sun reached through the curtain and touched her face. And when the young woman awoke, she saw her husband seated by the bed. And there seemed to be a new clarity in her eyes. Something had changed. And she looked at her husband and said, I feel like I have been on a long journey. And I'm just now getting home. Darling, she asked, where have you been? And she did not know that for days and weeks and months, he had been waiting. He had been watching and caring for her. But instead of explaining all of that, he simply said, my sweetheart, I have been here all along waiting for you. J'ai été ici en attente. And folks, that's the story of Hosea and Gomer. It's the story of Hosea and Gomer, and it's what God says to you and me, that he has been waiting here for you all along as you went out and you chased your dreams. Gomer went out thinking in this world that if she could just get the right attention, if she could just get people to notice her, and she thought that sex would make her happy, that sexual fulfillment, if I can just do with my body what the world says will make me feel whole, then everything will be right. And she found that that was a lie. And she went out and she pursued alcohol and drugs, feeling that somehow the substances that she took at the end of a hard days of work would somehow ease the pain and make her feel better. And she found that that was a lie. And Gomer went out thinking that money and entertainment and pleasure would make her happy, but she found that the more she went out into this world pursuing what she thought would be freedom. See, the world has a definition of freedom that's very different than God's definition. And she found that the world's definition of freedom is in fact a trap. That what she thought would bring her freedom in fact led her into more bondage. What the world said would bring her freedom eventually ended up in slavery. But just like Hosea, Jesus has been waiting for you all along. And even as you were out there pursuing your own dreams, whenever you were about to fall, maybe there were times when you should have died. And it was a miracle and God rescued you and you don't understand why. You know you should have died. It was the provision and the hand of God behind the scenes protecting you. But like Gomer, maybe you paid no attention and went on with your life. And there was that time when surely you should have been in financial ruin. But somehow something came through, provision from an unexpected place and you never understood why. You knew it should have been the end of your story and yet you lived another day. Why? Because God was behind the scenes working on your behalf, protecting you from your own foolishness. 
so that he could bring you to this point, to this moment, to declare that he paid it all for you. And he's here inviting you today. Will you come home? Will you come home? Let's stand together. We have our prayer team coming forward at this point. And you know that every Sunday we finish the service with a time where we invite you, if you would like someone to join you in prayer, to come forward. And you can do that right now. You don't have to wait for an invitation. Come right now if you're feeling the draw and the tug of God pulling at your spirit and you would like someone to pray with you or maybe it's right there in your seat that God is asking you to surrender. And so as we sing the words of these songs, this song is one that has gotten a little bit of controversy in the Christian world. It's called reckless love. And people are like, how dare you say that God's love is reckless? God's smart. God never does anything foolish. And then we read the story of Hosea and Gomer. And if any of us were smart, we would say, write her off, leave her behind. She's no good, there's no hope but the reckless love of God pursued her like Hosea and said, there's no mountain I won't climb. There's no river I won't swim to come after you. And so we invite you, if you would like to surrender to God, we're here for you as we sing these words.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this love story. To see the price that you paid, the sacrifice that you made. And Father, I can feel your heart breaking today. Because of those who are here in this room or who are with us online right now, who are still living in those lies in the hold of the enemy, the deceiver, who gets his claws in us and tells us that we're not worth anything. He beats us down. He wraps chains and bounds us. But God, may faith rise up from within for everyone in this room to believe that you are the chain breaker, that you are the way maker. Where there seems to be no way, you make the way. Where there seems to be no hope, you are our hope. Where there seems to be no answer, you are the answer. And so Father, right now as your spirit is working in people's hearts, may this be a moment of surrender. And I just all around this room, whatever God is speaking to you, look, this is not about my words. This has nothing to do with what Joel wants you to do. It's whatever God is speaking into your heart right now. We're just gonna give you a quiet moment and allow God to speak to you. What is he saying? Listen to his voice. I believe, Lord, that you have just now revealed very specific truths. For some, you just uttered words of healing. That this very moment, a healing that someone's been praying for was manifested. I believe that right now that there are lies that have been deeply held down deep in a person's spirit, deceptions that right now you have spoken truth into to break the lies. And for those who need salvation today, may this be the day of restoration. And so for anyone who needs to surrender to Christ right now in your heart, you just say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I confess my sin. I confess my selfishness, how I have rejected you like Gomer rejected Hosea. But today, I receive your invitation to come back home.
I receive your gift of forgiveness. Come into my life, Lord, and change me from the inside out. Clean me up. Make me beautiful. Teach me by the truth of your word, the scripture, that I might order my life according to your ways, your truth. Father, thank you that you give us the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, that together we don't have to live out this spiritual life on our own, that you have loved us enough to give us this spiritual community. And so, Lord, may we love each other as you have loved us. This reckless love. This boundless love. This mighty love that can break every chain. Would you sing it?